Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Okay, guys, what I'd like you to do right now is I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to look at the final four verses. And what we're going to talk about today, I I think is really important, because for some of you, you might be shocked by what Paul's going to talk about today. Actually, you know, as I think about it, okay, so I've been a believer, so we're coming up on April. April 1985 is when I came to faith in Jesus Christ. And in those earlier years, while I knew I had Christ and while I was developing in my relationship with him, I I had this concept, and it was a concept that was communicated in church. It wasn't just any one church. I think all churches communicate this concept of, that as, as a Christian, you're supposed to do certain things to maintain your acceptance with God, because that's ultimately the reason why we do stuff. We ultimately do stuff because we want God to accept us. I think if, if we're all honest with ourselves this morning, that is a priority with us because we know how much we need the Lord, and we want to feel that he accepts us because we know that when we do wrong, we feel like he doesn't accept us anymore. And so we try to do what's right. Now, the problem is we're actually living a sad reality. What do you mean? Well, I'm going to give you two thoughts here. So just kind of bear with me because you're going to see what I'm going to talk about here in a moment. Here's the first thing I want you to see. For many believers, what they believe and how they live is a paradox. What are you talking about, George? What do you you mean a paradox? Well, let me give you a definition of a paradox. It is a statement that despite apparently valid reasoning from true premises leads to a seemingly self-contradictory or a logically unacceptable conclusion. All right, that's... what, What does that mean in everyday talk, George? Well, it's saying that you believe a truth, but yet you've drawn a illogical or wrong conclusion which manifests itself some other way. And for many of us as believers, and I've been there, we live a paradox. What do you mean, George? Break it down a little bit further. Okay, so here's the paradox. All right, so I'm going to give you a truth statement. Tell me if you agree with this. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He paid the ultimate penalty with God for your sins because you could do nothing for acceptance with God. Does everybody agree with that? And when you get saved, it's because you know that he did it all for you. You could do nothing for it on your own so you accepted what he did by faith. Everybody agree with that? That's the truth premise. Now here's the paradox. While we believe that, we live our lives as if it's not true. What do you mean, George? 
Because we live our lives by regulations and rules that we believe we must complete in order for acceptance with God. Do you understand what I'm saying now? We believe one thing, but yet we live a completely different way. We believe there's nothing we can do for the salvation, right? We believe there's nothing we can do for the salvation, but illogically we have decided that somehow we have to do certain things in order to maintain it, to keep it. Well, we don't believe you can lose your salvation, George. No, no, to keep the acceptance and it comes out of our lives. In fact, here, here's what I want you to see. Sadly, they are blind to the reality of the contradiction in their lives. For most people, they just don't see it. For most people, they don't see the contradiction. If you were to say to them the first truth, truth statement about salvation having nothing to do with you, having to do with, your, with Jesus, everybody would agree with it. Yes. But then when you talk about the reality that they're living a contradictory life and how they live their life because they're living their lives by rules and regulations and they want to just keep coming up with them, they don't see it. They don't see how that's a contradiction, but it is. And that's the point that Paul's going to be making today in verses 20 to 23. In fact, I'll, I'll be honest with you, as I think back through 30-some years of, of being a believer and being in church just like you were, are, you know, for 10 years before I became a, a pastor myself, I don't recall a message from this passage. But it's there. Because he's actually calling you and I to something different, to a different type of life. What kind of type of life? A life that is based on a relationship with Jesus, not based upon what you're doing. Well, isn't it important that we do the right things? Yes, but you do the right things out of the relationship, not for the relationship. Do you understand? There's a difference. You do the right things out of the relationship because you're in love with Jesus and you see him interacting in your life. So therefore, you are going to do the things that will promote that relationship. But how we operate in church today, and I've been there, is that we've reduced Christianity down to a set of rules to keep. And those rules change depending upon which church you go to. And I think you understand that, right? See, we live with a concept of Christianity being a set of rules, but those set of rules change depending on where you are and who the church is and who the pastor is. So Paul's going to talk about that today. He's going to talk about that you and I need to go to something different but you've got to understand the trap, because he's been warning us. Remember, we talked about this last week. Don't let anybody cheat you. Don't, don't let anyone guide you in the wrong way. He's got to help you to understand that there's more to the Christian life than doing. And he's going to break it down for you and I today. So let's take a look at what he says here. Look with me at verse 20. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world... Why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Don't touch, don't taste, don't handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom 
in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. All right, now here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these four verses. We're going to take a few moments today and talk about exactly what is he saying in verses 20 to 23 and how it is important for you to understand. So first thing we're going to see here is a contradiction. We're going to see that in verses 20 and 21. And then we're going to see the bondage. And let me just go ahead and tell you, I've lived in this bondage. And it's a common bondage for most believers to find themselves in. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the contradiction. Here's what he says in verse 20. He's asking a question. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. All right, so here's what I want you to see. First thing I want you to see is this. Having died with Christ, you've been set free from the bondage of doing. You've been set free from the bondage of doing. Now remember, he is talking in this letter to a church that's primarily Jewish. And for the Jew, their lives were bound by what? Anybody know what their lives were bound by? What they had to adhere to? The law, right? And for the Jew, the law was pretty specific. Keeping the Sabbath, the Saturday, free of work, not doing things, not being here, not doing that. So their, their lives were, were governed by a system of regulation, which if we can remember, listen, remember Peter at the Jerusalem council when they were trying to decide if Gentiles needed to keep the law, he basically said, folks, we can't even keep it ourselves. Why are we wanting to impose it on others? So here's the thing. When you come to Jesus... You've been set free from the bondage of doing. You've been set free from the bondage of doing something for the acceptance of God. Because I'll be honest with you, let's, let's just be honest. They couldn't keep the law perfectly. And, 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 the, and the law itself says you, you break one law, you break the whole law. So here we are, we're, we're saved we believe there's nothing we can do for salvation and we keep going back to wanting to keep the law. But you've been set free from that. That's what he's saying. He starts out, if you've been set free, you've, if you have died, if the old you is a new you now, why are you doing this? So that brings up my second point I want you to see here. Yet you continue to subject yourself to that bondage. Have you ever said something like this? You ever had a busy week? You have a, a week where things get totally out of control and, and it's like you're trying to rein it in. you got this crisis and that crisis and this family disturbance and this work problem and you're just trying to get it all. And have you noticed that sometimes, especially if you're faithful and having your devotions with Jesus, you're just struggling to get out of bed in the morning and, and so maybe you go a week without reading your Bible how about you go a week without even praying? And then you start thinking these kind of thoughts. Lord, forgive me. Don't hold it against me. I'll get back on track. 
What's going on there? You're talking about a relationship with the living God. Do you not think he knows what your week was like? Do you not think he knows the chaos and the troubles that are coming into your life? But yet you feel that somehow he still demands that you spend that time with him reading your Bible and praying? He was with you the whole time. And to be honest, I, I kind of think, because I've reflected on my life, even in the times when I've missed having my personal devotion, I still talk to God throughout the day anyhow. You find yourself doing that. Do you see what I'm saying? Because there's a relationship there. So even though we've been set free, here's the contradiction. We continue to subject ourselves to bondage, to living in tyranny. And, and I'll be honest with you, the biggest enemy of your life is Satan. He wants you to live in that tyranny. He wants you to view your relationship with Jesus based upon a whole list of things that you should and shouldn't do. In fact, here's what I want you to see. The bondage of doing regulates every aspect of your life. Now, let me just stop for a moment because you're like, well, does that mean I can do whatever I want to? Hold on. Hold on. There are things that God says to you directly don't do. I'm not talking about those. But you don't find in your Bible anywhere where it says, thou shalt have devotions each day. You won't find that verse. You're not going to find that verse. Or thou shalt dress this way. Or thou shalt do this. Those, those don't exist. But we, we, we could sit here and we could spend all day if we wanted to. It would be pretty boring to think about the stuff that we feel that church tells us to do. And a lot of it, can I be honest with you, a majority of it, probably more than 90% of it, isn't even in the scripture. And so what do we do? We, we subject ourselves to the bondage of doing, which tries to regulate every area of our lives. And so can I be honest with you? God becomes, let's be honest, well, here's what God becomes. A taskmaster. Your concept of God is that God is simply somebody who demands nothing but obedience from you. And does God want obedience? Yes. To his commands. Yes, he does want that. But do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? So, but he's our heavenly father. When you, when you are parenting a child, you want your child to be obedient to your word. That doesn't mean you cease loving them and you cease having a relationship with them, right? That doesn't mean you become the taskmaster. Now, if you ask the child, they would say, yeah, my dad's a taskmaster, you know. But that's not how you're viewing it. You're viewing it out of love to groom them and mold them. So the bondage of doing regulates your whole life. And so here's what he's saying. You live your life by the contradiction of don't touch, don't taste, don't do. And for the Colossians, it was a very real thing because here they are, they were living in a world, they're Gentiles, most of them among them in the church are, are Jews, and then they're being told, don't eat that sausage. Why are you working on Saturday? 
Do you see the contradiction? The paradox? And let's be honest, you and I are living that paradox, and we've got to stop. Here's why you have to stop, because I'm going to, he basically lays out what the problem is with the bondage. We see it in verses 22 and 23. Look with me at verse 22 and 23. Here's the problem with the bondage. He's talking about the bondage here. Which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility and the neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. All right, three points here. Here's the first one. The bondage of doing is focused on man-made rules that will one day perish. The bondage of doing is focused on man-made rules that will one day perish. That's what he's saying here. One day, all of these regulations that we impose on each other in a church or whatever are one day going to perish. They're going to be purely meaningless. Meaningless. So, okay, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, okay? So, you know, we're pretty casual here at our church as far as our dress. We don't tell you to dress up for Jesus here, okay? And uh, we've been that way for a while. Now, what I, you know, April 1st, I'll be here 20 years, April 1st is my 20th anniversary here. I have a picture that somebody took of me when I came here. I was wearing a suit. Some of you can remember back then, George used to wear a suit back then. I only wear suits now to funerals and weddings, okay? But I'm pretty casual, but I hear all the time from people, I have discussions, not within our church, from outside of our church, arguing with me about, you got to dress up for Jesus. If you were going to go see the president... You would dress up. And yes, folks, if I got it, whoever the president is, if I got an invitation to go visit the president, I would wear a suit. So would you. And if you're a lady, you would wear some kind of suit or whatever. You would dress up to go see. But I'm not going to the president. I'm going to Jesus, who, by the way, the word says, doesn't look on the outward appearance of man. God's word says that. What does he look at? Your heart. And so when Paul comes along and says, the bondage of doing is focused on man-made rules that will one day perish. You know what, folks? One day when we go to be with Jesus, the whole dress issue isn't even going to make a difference anymore, is it? Because we're all going to be clothed in white whatever that looks like. It's not going to matter. This is the point. So you think about the regulations that we impose on ourselves. One day, they're, they're just going to become meaningless. And that's what happens with man-made rules. Here's the second thing I want you to see. The bondage of doing has the superficial appearance of spiritual wisdom. I think we understand that one, right? 
Let's think about how we judge people about where they're at in their relationship with Jesus. I wonder how they're doing. I wonder if they're walking with the Lord. What do we look at? What they're doing. That's what we look at, right? We look at what they're doing. And, and I've, I've seen, can I be honest with you, I've been around a long time now. I can remember years ago when I was a young man and I wasn't yet a pastor, but even then this thought occurred to me because we were talking about people who would come to Christ and, and, and you have different people who come to Christ. They come to Christ at different places in their life. And so you have a drunk who comes to Christ and so he's got an addiction issue with alcohol. So guess what he's going to struggle with, guys? Alcohol. Guess what he's going to in that struggle, fall to occasionally. Alcohol. And I've watched the church write people off. Well, they obviously aren't walking with the Lord. They don't care. They're doing that. Well, wait, wait a minute. Because they fell to alcohol again? They're trying to overcome that. But yet in the same church, there's five or six gossips who've been gossiping for 40 plus years who continue to fall to that every week, but they're doing okay because they don't drink. Did, did you understand? Or they can answer Bible questions. And they know their doctrine. See, it's all based upon looking at the outward appearance of what you're doing. And so you have this aura, and you've met people like that in church, that they, because they're doing all the right stuff, they have the appearance of what? Well, let me tell you what Paul describes it as. Here's what he says. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom, and look at what it says, in self-imposed religion. Where did it come from? Stuff that they decided to do. And what does it say here? False humility and the neglect of the body. The bondage of doing has the superficial appearance. But see, that's how we are wired, isn't it? That's how we're wired in our culture. That's how we're wired from the moment we drew our first breath as we were born. We've been told what to do the whole way along. We've been told this is what you do if you're going to be good, and this is what it means when you're bad, and so this is what you do that's good at work, and this is what's bad, and here's the procedures, and you need to follow the procedures, and if you're playing a sport, here's the rules that you have to adhere to when you're playing the sport, and if you get outside of those rules, you just can't do what you want to do in a sport, then you're wrong, and you're out of the game, and this is our whole life, right? And that's how we're used to doing things. But now you come to Christianity and its real sense of it being a religion and we can't just grasp what do you mean it's not about what I do and don't do? Because we're used to that. Because they're viewing Christianity as doing Let's be honest, Christianity isn't doing. Christianity is Jesus. 
and the relationship you can have with him and being honest and talking with him. So then that brings us to the ultimate reality. Here is the dirty little secret about the doing. Look with me at what Paul says here, and you'll understand what he says when I explain it to you. Verse 23. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body. But, that's a big word, are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. All right, so let me just stop for a moment. I want everybody to, to resonate with what I'm saying here. So I want you to think about your life. I want you to focus on you. Don't think about the guy next to you or the gal next to you. Think about you. All right? Think about the thing that you struggle with. Whatever it is. For everybody, it's going to be a different thing. You struggle with something. Now, here's what our tendency is, is we try to control those desires by regulation. But here's what Paul's saying. Ultimately, the bondage of doing has no effect on controlling your desires. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? The bondage of doing has no effect on controlling your desires. Are you sure he said that, George? Look at what he says here. He says, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. See, here's the thing. You can control who you are and what you're doing by regulation, but the fact is, is you may not be doing the, quote, wrong thing, but you're still desiring it. So when I go on a diet and I'm controlling my cheeseburger intake and I've stopped hitting McDonald's, doesn't mean the desire for a cheeseburger isn't still there. Did you understand what I'm saying? Think about all that we do in Christianity and, and we're imposing on ourselves. It doesn't deal with the desire. Now you say, okay, George, what deals with the desire? Here it is. Jesus. He deals with it. He changes you. You go to him. You struggle with him. This is the reality. And he slowly changes your character. Because, I'll be honest with you, he wants you to view your Christian life completely different than the way it is right now. He wants you to view it as new. The ability to say no to the desires because you have Jesus. Not because you're imposing a law on yourself. Did you understand what I'm saying? I'm hoping that this will free some of you from the defeat you've been living in because you can't keep the doing on an active level. Thank you for being with us this morning. 
And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.